When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to CLNS Media, powered by betonline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome back to the Red Sox Beat Podcast presented by CLNS Media. It's a leading online video and audio provider for Major League Baseball. I'm the host of the show, Chris Cotillo from MassLive.com. It's July 17th. This is episode 225 of the show. We have two sponsors this week. I think we're making podcast history with that. We have BetOnline.ag, which is the preferred online sportsbook of CLNS Media, and Indochino, which is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. So thanks to both of them for sponsoring the show. We have a brand new guest for this week. It is, uh, if you've ever, if you're a Red Sox fan at all, you know who this guy is. Sean McAdam from Boston Sports Journal. Sean, thanks for uh, coming on. My pleasure, Chris. And uh, it's been, as, as you know, we sometimes on the beat complain about slow news days or slow news weeks, and this has not been one of them at all. Um, we've kind of had a, a constant drip of... Uh, info and, and news in the last few days, starting with the Andrew Kastner trade on Saturday. Um, by Monday, Eduardo Nunez was designated for a ass- assignment, excuse me, in a, in a series of roster moves. Uh, on Tuesday, we had Ryan Brazier sent down. Hector Velasquez was also sent out. So a lot of moves for the Red Sox. And we talked about this yesterday with Alex Cora. You know, Eduardo Nunez didn't need to be sent out um, necessarily. They could have made some other moves, maybe Marco Hernandez. With the bullpen, there were some other, you know, disposable guys and Ryan Weber, Marcus Walden, but they were, you know, needed Ryan Brazier to go down and fix some things. They called up Darwinson Hernandez. So, Sean, this sounds like to me, and Alex Cora acknowledged it yesterday, that this is a team that they have some urgency and and they're not fooling around anymore with uh, the roster and how it's constructed. Yeah, this is the time for them to get it together if indeed they're going to get it together. And there's no evidence, by the way, that that's going to be achieved. But mm-hmm. when you look at where they are on the schedule, uh, the deficit they face both in the division standings and the wild card standings and the stretch of games coming up against the two teams in front of them in the American League East, where they play 13 straight against Tampa and New York starting on Monday. This next uh, two and a half weeks is going to make or break their season. And if you look at the last three or four days of all the roster shuffling, it certainly seems as if they're getting their house in order with the 25 guys they think are going to help get them back into this. Whether they do or not remains to be seen, but it's clear that uh, in the reshuffling, they weren't happy with the performance of some guys, and some of those were... Um, as you noted, guys that played huge roles in 2018. But I think the time for sentiment 
and nostalgia uh, is out the window. And now it's about what can you do for me now as the Red Sox go into this most important stretch of their schedule. Yeah, and I think you know that they're acknowledging that the honeymoon period for these guys, you know, Nunez who had the big home run against the Dodgers, a big play against the Yankees in the ALDS, Brazier who was kind of the breakout star of the bullpen last year, the honeymoon uh, period for those guys is over. And this is something that you know when people talk about, you know, they're going to need to make a move when this guy comes off the injured list, or they're going to make a move at certain times. And there's always two options. There's like the bold move where. In this case, a good example is UDFA Eduardo Nunez, who's been with the organization, who's you know making more money than Marco Hernandez, who is a clubhouse presence. You know, for for a utility player, he he was. Um, or you know, you make the easy move and option Marco Hernandez. Marco Hernandez has come up in his last in the last couple months and has been you know very good in his in his small role. And um, Alex Gore likes his his bat off the bench, and uh, he's been fine defensively. Obviously, clearly healthy. Uh, after the shoulder thing. So it said a lot to me that they are making that bold move for once. And, you know, with Darwinson yesterday, Frazier goes down instead of Weber or Walden or, or one of those guys. And um, it's uh, time to trim the fat, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's worth pointing out that neither of these guys, meaning Brazier or Nunez, had been performing up to expectations. I think yep. you could probably say, that was the case about Nunez for really the entire season. And certainly mm-hmm. it was the case about Brazier in the last 10 days. I think since the end of June, Brazier's ERA was over nine. And it's interesting too, Chris, because I think Nunez represents, uh, rather Brazier represents so much of the gamble that the Red Sox made with the bullpen going into the season. You made reference to it earlier um, you know, the, the, the oft-repeated uh, uh, goal during spring training was to find another Ryan Brazier. Uh, you know, the theory being that these guys languishing sometimes in the minor leagues have the ability to get big league hitters out if they're given the opportunity. Brazier was a nice story in doing just that in the second half of last year and into the postseason. And I think it reflects a little bit of arrogance on the part of the organization yep. that they thought that they could, you know, just dig through the pile at Pawtucket and find another case exactly like that. When the fact of the matter is those guys are the exceptions rather than the rule. And mm-hmm. as Brazier's performance this year shows, it's not always a linear development and it's not always, um, as is often the case with bullpen guys, uh, from one year to the next, the performance can vary greatly, and and uh, Brazier stands in uh, in most obvious evidence of that. Yeah, I think the worst thing that could have happened to the Red Sox, who, who obviously attacked the bullpen by not attacking it at all over the winter, and and deciding that you know we're gonna go just throw a bunch of internal options and hope that we have you know guys that step up. The worst thing that happened was Workman stepping up and and almost proving them right in that one case. Marcus Walden being very good early in the season and proving them right in that case. And then for a long stretch, Heath Henry doing that as well. You know, having those three guys, you know, at least show signs that they were the next Ryan Brazier or whatever, uh, however, you know, they termed it was kind of ended up being detrimental because it made them, I don't know, I guess, confident that what they did had been right. When as a whole, 
Yeah, you know, it, re- it reinforced the theory that you can find these yeah. guys everywhere if you look hard enough, and uh, right. and it and it ignores the fact that <clears throat> excuse me that guys like Workman and Hembry and uh, to a lesser uh, I wouldn't put Walden in that category, but certainly Workman and Hembry have had their uh, their good stretches in the past. So it wasn't like they were new finds, but mm-hmm. it was that overarching philosophy of you know. Just keep trying, guys. Eventually, you'll find six or seven that you can uh, that you can shape a bullpen into, and it's far more complicated and less predictable than that. Yeah, and I think obviously, you know, I, I go back to the quote from the baseball writers' dinner from Dave Dombrowski that, oh, we have four guys that can pitch at the end of games for us. Maybe we won't name a closer, but we have these candidates: Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, Tyler Thornburg, and Stephen Wright. You know, looking, and the, those guys have. You know, three of those guys have really gone wrong. Brazier's in AAA. Thornburg's released. Wright was suspended for the first half, and now he's back on the injury list and seems to be banished to Fort Myers here in the next couple of days. It's not, not clear how long he'll be there, but, um, you know, kind of that, that ignorance, that thinking that those guys were all going to work out, and kind of how they built the bullpen and trying to find those diamonds in the rough you're looking at. You know, yeah, Workman has stepped up, and Hembry for a stretch has stepped up, but those things don't matter if Matt Barnes regresses, if Ryan Brazier regresses and, and both of those things I think have happened at least in the last couple months. So interesting how they're going to be building this going forward. Yesterday was, you know, kind of a lot of the talk was about Darwinson Hernandez and he looked good in his first outing and Evaldi will be back uh, next week as a reliever. So they're, uh, they're, they're throwing whatever against the wall to see what sticks at this point. And uh, I guess that's, that's what they're going to do rather than acquire a, a relief arm. Well, I, I, you know, talking to some people around the game over the weekend, the sense I got was that they were going to see uh, how Evaldi contributes, uh, see how Hernandez makes the jump from AAA and reassess where they are a few days before the deadline. Mm-hmm. I, I think if they, if they get good performances from Hernandez, who looked pretty good last night, he did fall behind every single one of the four hitters he faced, and he ultimately walked one. And that, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, is going to be the variable that they're going to have to keep an eye on because the fact that he was averaging seven and a half walks per nine innings at double-A and triple-A has to give them some pause. If you can't throw strikes in the minor league level, what are the odds that that issue is going to go away against the best hitters in the game? Uh, They already already have Brandon Workman walking everybody in the bottom of the bullpen. You know, and, and... Alex Cora, as you know, likes to say that sometimes a walk isn't a bad thing. He's talking about not giving in and not leaving pitches out over the middle of the plate where a hitter can do damage with runners on base. But, uh, you know, when you're putting base runners on base late in games in which you are protecting a small lead, only bad things can happen. So we'll see Mm -hmm. what Hernandez does. We'll also see how Evaldi takes to this role uh you know people remember obviously the postseason and game three and the six innings and the heroic effort that Evaldi provided but the fact of the matter is that this guy doesn't have a ton of uh, bullpen experience at the major league level he doesn't have a major league save in his career in a in a career that's you know that spanned eight or nine seasons and then you also have the issue of durability which is always something in the back of your mind when you're talking about Evaldi. So I, I, I think they're going to try to get as quick a snapshot as they can of these two guys, 
see if they can make up some ground in the next uh, 10 to 12 days. And if they can, they may be willing to uh, both surrender some prospects and take on some salary if they feel that they really have a run left in them. If, uh, you know, if they continue this uh, pattern of win one, lose one and not pick up any ground, I really don't see them taking the leap of making a deal to go get a reliever from the outside. Yeah, I agree with that. Obviously, after going into the break hot with the sweep over the Tigers, it's been I lost two out of three to the Dodgers, lost a really good you know, opportunity to, I felt like, and, and others have too, they could have swept that series after winning Friday, but they lose Saturday in the heartbreaker in five hours and 40 miserable minutes on Sunday night. They come out and, uh, you know, a, a bad loss to the Blue Jays uh, last night. The Red Sox, of course, did make one trade, so we'll get into this now. Uh, it's a trade that, talking to Sean in the press box, he likes a lot. The Red Sox acquired Andrew Kashner, right-handed starter from the Orioles for two minor leaguers that um, nobody has ever heard of, basically, is the best way to put it. Two 17-year-olds in the Dominican Summer League, and obviously, you know, the Orioles now under their new regime, uh, at least, it can be considered partly a smart organization. They saw that they liked these um, two minor leaguers, uh, and even at 17, felt like, you know, they wanted to take a chance to try to restock that area of their farm system. I think a great maybe barometer for me on what, how these guys, how well-known these guys were, at least in Boston, was Alex Spear, who from the Boston Globe who tends to know everything about all these matters, had never heard of either uh, minor leaguer. So that's a little bit telling as to where they stood. But the Red Sox actually were able to get Kashner uh, on the cheat. He pitched in his debut, and it wasn't great. You know, five-plus innings, six runs, five earned, and the Red Sox uh, suffered a pretty bad loss, an ugly loss to the Blue Jays, who for some reason play like they're somewhat of a good team against the Red Sox when they're not all their horrible hitters step up. Uh, and and look like Babe Ruth against the Red Sox. But uh, last night, Andrew Kastner's debut, Sean, your thoughts on that and also just the trade as a whole, which I know that you liked. Yeah, I, I did like, and I had sort of uh, zeroed in on Kastner as a logical target for the Red Sox to pursue a few weeks ago. He, he checked all the boxes, a guy who was pitching well, a guy pitching for obviously a non-contending team, about as non-contending as you can get with mm-hmm. the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, the fact that he was on an expiring deal where the Red Sox didn't have to worry about taking on any obligations, although there is the somewhat mitigating factor of uh, an option that could vest but likely won't here in the final two-plus months. But uh, I, I thought it was a decent chance for the Red Sox to take. Obviously, if you're looking at a depth starter, someone for the back end of your rotation, you're not going to uh, be getting someone who is a Cy Young candidate but Kashner had pitched very well for the Orioles. In fact, his last five starts with them, he had given up a combined five earned runs. And so, of course, this being the 2019 Red Sox, he gives up that many in five-plus innings mm-hmm. in one start last night. Uh, he mentioned after that maybe rust was an issue. His last game, uh, last start for the Orioles, which ironically had come against those same Blue Jays, was 11 days ago. And I'm sure combination of uh, being a little hyped up making your first start after a trade and the layoff probably were factors you know the big mistake of course in addition to the three-run homer he gave up was giving up a solo homer immediately after the Red Sox had rallied uh, in the bottom of the fifth inning to tie things up at 4-4 
It brought a little energy to the ballpark, got the dugout uh, kind of revved up, and you know they were back even. And with his first pitch in the top of the sixth, he gave that up with a home run. So that's a pretty deflating thing. Uh, obviously, the Red Sox are were hoping for more from Cashner last night, and we'll continue to hope that that is hardly a uh, harbinger of things to come. I don't think it will be. Um, you know, really, if he had gotten them into the sixth and given up three runs, that would have been a huge step forward for that team, given how poorly the number five guys have pitched most of the season with an ERA of 6.79. That covers about five people who had taken spot starts, none of whom had uh, really provided them with many opportunities to win those games. I think Kashner will be able to do that, get into the middle innings and not uh, put such a burden on the bullpen. And that's what you want out of your number five guy. It's not a terribly high bar to clear, but last night on his first try, he didn't do it. Yeah, and I think you know that home run, uh, that smoke home run that you talked about was – Continued the long 2019 Red Sox pitching staff tradition of not being able to have a shutdown inning at any point. All year, yeah, that's, it seems that's, like. that's frequently been an issue this year. Uh, and he is a guy that, you know, as you referenced, his five starts before, he had gone at least uh, six innings in all those. He, in 10 of his 18 starts, have gone at least six innings. He's gone seven innings three times. So um, it's kind of right in that perfect, let's say he, he averages six innings a start. That's a lot better than what the Red Sox have been getting. And his contract won't vest, so they don't have to pay him $10 million. So the silver lining on Andrew Kastner only getting 15 outs last night was that it decreases the chance that he'll reach that, <laughs> uh, at, what, I think, 340 over two years? Was that it? Uh, yeah, 340 yeah. If, if vests, 360 if becomes a player option. So I think that's, that's the, the biggest positive out of last night, which was really ugly after that. Uh, another guy that, that I want to get into, because this is one we talked about earlier, but Heath Hembree, you know, since he's come back, his velocity is down like two and a half miles an hour. Uh, last night was horrible. It was, uh, you know, I think it was triple, double, single, three hits, three earned runs, and did not record an out. Um, this is a guy who was the Red Sox best reliever, or at least one of them for a two-month stretch. He had the extensor strain in his right arm, which I think a lot of people were skeptical of, you know, that mild diagnosis after the forearm tightness he felt during a game in June. Alex Cora usually doesn't seem actually concerned with injuries when people bring them up or velocity drops or whatever, but I sense kind of a different tone last night. He said, if that's something, you know, the fastball velocity is different and the location he's not been able to do. So um, to me, I think there's signs that something could be up here. Yeah. And you know, that would be a huge blow to the Red Sox because at a time when the debate goes on about, after the arrival of Fernandez and the pending arrival of Vivaldi, you think, all right, those two guys with Barnes, Workman, and Hembry, there's five guys that you can turn to in high leverage spots late in the game. Well, mm -hmm. if you lose one of those, uh, you almost certainly have to have more than that, and it just makes their uh, search to fill out that bullpen and get ready for this important stretch all the more difficult. It, you know, it's it's kind of springing another leak while they're trying to plug all the ones that already exist. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. And, you know, they, they in the way they talk about the bullpen, you know, they talk about, well, we're getting Stephen Wright back and we're, we're getting Evaldi, and those are 
for sure saviors. Um, they're known quantities that they're the only ones that seem to believe that and, and are at least in Dave Dombrowski talking, you know, after they acquired Kastner the other day, almost seemed insulted that, you know, the Red Sox uh, or that the Red Sox beat or the Red Sox fans couldn't grasp that Evaldi was a sure thing as a savior in the back of the bullpen, which he's never proven and we don't know. So l- losing one of the guys that that has been at least for a good stretch, a known quantity in, in Hembry would be uh, horrible for this team. Yeah, certainly. And, and it really would kind of send them back to the drawing board about their plans here before the end of July. As I said, if you're already up mindset that they could use one more guy losing Hembry, uh, you know, just doubles that list of needs and, and may make it so that they simply can't make up that, that deficit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's hard enough to go out and contemplate getting another experienced high leverage reliever and taking on salary, which they clearly won't don't want to do or don't want to do much of and uh, surrendering a, a, a pretty decent prospect, you would think, to get that kind of pitcher. If you have to do that twice, then uh, at some point it becomes too tall a task. Yep. And that's a too tall a task is a great segue to our first ad from Indochino, which is the uh, world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company because they can custom fit whatever you want to wear. Indochino makes suits and shirts to your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. I know that segue was a stretch, everybody. If you're looking to get married, we have tons of options for those looking to outfit their wedding party. Guys love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors to choose from. There's also the option where you can personalize the details, including your lapel, the lining, the pockets, the buttons, and the right, and you can have your own monogram. You can visit a stylist at their showroom. There's over 40 in North America, including some in Boston. Have them take your measurements personally or measure at home yourself and shop online at indochino.com. You can choose your fabric, choose your design customizations, submit your measurements, and then relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed to you in a couple weeks. This week, the listeners of this podcast can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com while entering socks. That's S-O-X at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Shipping is free on Indochino.com with promo code SOCKS. Any premium suit for just $369. It's an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. And once you go custom, you're not likely to go back. The other sponsor this week is BetOnline.ag. That is AG like Attorney General, and it is the preferred online sports book for CLNS Media. I'm not sure exactly where the Red Sox odds sit when we talked last week. I think they were 12 to 1 to win the American League and, and even um, worse of a chance to win a World Series, which is fair, which is how they performed at 51 and 44, according to Bet Online. But if you're feeling confident in this group, which you're a Red Sox fan if you're listening to this, which means that you're never confident in this group. Um, or the bullpen, especially, as I see on Twitter all the time. You can go and bet on the Red Sox, bet against the Red Sox by going to clnsmedia.com backslash SoxBeat, that's S-O-X-B-E-A-T, and using the code CLNS50, you'll get a bonus that'll be added to your balance within seconds, an extra 50% added to your bankroll. A minimum deposit of $25 is required to qualify for the bonus. You'll get that 50% bonus on your qualifying deposit only. Please see Bet Online's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. That's betonline.ag. So I don't know if Sean McAdam is a betting man. He has a hatred for the Encore Casino uh, in Boston, and he's vowed to never go there. So I don't think we'll be seeing him uh, in Everett 
Doubtful. Uh, very doubtful. But if he was, if you were, I want to just, you know, you've been around the Red Sox for a while. You've seen it all. What, how do you assess this team? Is it, you know, for me being, you know, on the beat for last year and seeing that success, obviously that was a very rare thing to see them win 108 games in the World Series and have almost zero drama and zero issues. But I don't know if it's just that I'm new and naive that I've been shocked about everything that's gone on this season, or it's just that we're all viewing it in the context of last season. But, you know, for you, what is your overall view on what you've seen so far and then the chances moving forward? Well, I I think watching the 2019 Red Sox is a reminder of how difficult the exercise of roster building can become because on paper, when you look at a team that won 108 wins, uh, 108 games last year, and then steamrolled arguably the three best teams in the postseason, uh, just about everybody was sort of in the prime of their career. You didn't have a David Ortiz in his late 30s, and you, you worry about regression or his body breaking down. Uh, I didn't think it was a bad risk to bring back uh, essentially the same lineup and the same roster from a year ago. And yet, as we watch this play out through the first three and a half months, um, you can see how uh, difficult it is to get the same performance from the same players two years in a row. Mm-hmm. You, you look at, and, and certainly uh, heading that list, are arguably their best position player and their best pitcher. Neither Mookie Betts nor Chris Sale have come anywhere near the kind of seasons they had last year when Betts was the MVP and Sale looked like he was on track to win the Cy Young until uh, the shoulder sidelined him uh, in August and September. So um, it's a very imprecise um, business of trying to figure out uh, who you can count on uh, who needs to come back, whether change is good inside of a clubhouse, whether chemistry is something that can be duplicated. Uh, at the beginning of the year, you'd look at it and say, well, maybe they don't win 108. Maybe they don't necessarily repeat as champions. But um, this is going to be a pretty good team. How could it not with Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez and David Price and Chris Sale? And yeah, there were questions about the bullpen, uh, but you figured that they could at least be competitive and stay in the race and do whatever adjustments they needed at the deadline. And yet, you know, their play over the first uh, almost hundred games now, um, you know, is a reminder of how difficult it is to predict performance and how uh, risky it is to bring back the same team and expect close to the same results. Yeah. I think obviously, the way this team has performed, it just feels like it's an under 500 team. It feels like it's they're out of the race, which they're not at all at this point, 51 and 44, 10 games behind the Yankees. So, you know, by all likelihood out of that race, four games behind the Rays in the division, three games behind the Indians and athletics in the wild card. You're someone who's been high on the Rays since yeah last year, um, but even especially uh, going into this year, when you look at the rest of the wild card race with Cleveland, Oakland, uh, Anaheim, Texas, kind of the teams hovering around there. How do you assess who's real and who's not? Yeah, obviously, I, I think Tampa's very real, and I'd be surprised if they didn't finish as the first wild card with the home field advantage in that game. Um, Cleveland, to me, um, 
you know, it's all about what they get from their pitching and whether they decide to hold on to their pitching and, uh, you know, whether they move Trevor Bauer with a look toward the future or whether they take one last run at this because uh, I think most people agree that the Indians' window is starting to close. You saw them cut payroll over the year. Uh, they lost Santana. They lost Gomes. They lost Brantley. They really didn't replace the offense. They've had pitching injuries. Um, you know, I think Terry Francona has done a good job keeping them in that race. Um, I think because there's some high-end talent there that of the other three teams, by which I mean Texas, uh, Anaheim, Oakland, and Cleveland, I think Cleveland might be the one that you would worry about the most mm -hmm. if you're the Red Sox just because they've won before. They have an experienced manager who can maybe make the difference of a couple of games down the stretch. And they've got high-end performers uh, like Bauer, uh, like Lindor, uh, who can take over and really shoulder a team during a tough stretch. I, I don't know that the A's necessarily have that. Texas looks like they're kind of a year ahead of schedule before they move into the new ballpark. And frankly, you don't know what sort of emotional upheaval the Angels are going through uh, mm -hmm. with the tragic passing of Tyler Skaggs. Can that be a, and I certainly don't mean to trivialize this, but could it be a galvanizing moment for them? Could it bring them together? Could it lift them uh, beyond which you think that they might ordinarily play? I still they're, don't think they've won five in a row. Is, is good enough to beat out other teams. So, you know, in order, I guess I would rank the Rays, Indians, uh, A's, Rangers, and mm -hmm. Angels. Um, with with Tampa, the one team that I would be fairly certain would be in it at the end, and you know, and throw the Red Sox in probably about even with Cleveland at this point from a talent standpoint. Yeah, and that's obviously in a lot of big games down the stretch, starting with the stretch in a couple of weeks, but ten more against Tampa on the season. I think it's uh, 12 more against the Yankees. And, and as you referenced earlier, the Red Sox starting uh, on Monday with three games in Tampa Bay will face 13 straight games against Tampa Bay and New York. That's a chance, a great chance for them to pick up games, both in the wild card and division. So that we will be uh, obviously talking about that coming at a very important time right before the trade deadline. Uh, as Sean referenced, you know, the really a relief addition is not out of the question uh, for a team that has, had spotty bullpen performance and seems to be, you know, just trying to see what will stick at this point. Sean, thanks for coming on. We will uh, see you at Fenway later today and uh, appreciate all, all the insight. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me on.